Go to Nehemiah chapter number six today, and, and we'll take our text there. We're probably going to close down our Nehemiah study this morning as we conclude on these, these things that we've been learning through just the progression of Nehemiah and what he took on and what he looked at. And so today, we're going to talk about one word. So write it down in your notes if you're taking notes, and let's look at the word transformation. Um, in some area of our lives, at, 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 in all of us, not just a few of us, there's going to be a need for transformation in some shape, form, or fashion. And I don't know about you, how many of you have an area of your life that you need strengthened right now? Anybody got that? Or an area of your life right now that just, you need a breakthrough. You need God to move, something to happen, a mind shift, or something to take place. And so today, we're going to look at how transformation becomes possible. So we're going to take this passage, but we're also going to kind of skip around and jump to some other passages of Scripture throughout the Word of God. So I want you to get a pen ready to write these down. Um, I'm going to give you my Scripture up front. We're going to go to Philippians 4. Um, we're going to go to Romans 12, and back to Nehemiah 4, and then finish up in Nehemiah 6. So I'm going to give you that again. Philippians 4, Romans 12. We're going to go back to Nehemiah 4 and then finish up in 6. Um, I don't know about you today. I feel like we're at war. I don't know what's going on. Um, I, 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 the whole day has kind of just felt like a battle, um, whether it's fighting sound systems or whether it's fighting, I don't know, just something in the air. It's been rainy. There seems like there's a heaviness in the auditorium today. And I think instead of trying to pretend it's not there, let's just be real. How many of you can kind of feel like maybe in your life there's a little bit of a struggle happening right now? Anybody kind of signify that? Slip your hand up in the air. Let's see that real quick. I kind of want to look around. All right, so there's quite a few. All right, listen. Um, this, this couldn't be a more appropriate timing for a sermon, all right? Because when that struggle is there, it can become the focus of worship. Um, and we've been talking to our teenagers about how to build a strong faith. And, and this past Wednesday, we were talking about this and we looked at the, at, uh, the attribute of worship and what it actually does in our lives. And worship is intended to shift the focus, right? To, to get to a point to where we're not in this mindset of defeat or this mindset of, hey, everything's a struggle, but to kind of shift into a mindset of God is still in this. Even if I feel like this is overwhelming, God is more powerful than what I'm going through and what I see. God has a plan to get me through what I'm going through and what I see, and this will not conquer me. If we had that mindset, then we could actually maybe behave a little bit different or have a little a different approach, right? And so I feel like a lot of times when we come into church, it's almost like we're trying to jumpstart a dead battery. Right? Do you ever feel like that? It's like you, you left the car with nothing running in it, nothing doing. You left it parked all week, and then you try to bring it into church, and it's just like we've got to jumpstart that thing. And a lot of people think that the worship or a program will do that. And I'm going to tell you this right now. There is nothing that can get your faith activated other than you putting an effort in. Because faith without those works is what? It's dead. It's useless. It's meaningless. All right, and so today, put an effort into receiving this, especially if you're in a season of struggle and asking God to help you transform, right? So God, don't just change my mind, change me. Wouldn't that be a better, a better statement? Don't just change my mind, change me, all right? And so let's step into this and let's look at this. Um, I might need, do we need a nurse? Do we need somebody? Okay, we're good. All right, thank you guys and ladies. All right, here we go, let's look. Uh, go, if you would, to verse number nine, if you would. And it says, they were trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. With many of you that just raised your hand that you're in struggle, what, what better verse for you right now? Nehemiah is trying to build a wall, got a call on his life. He's walking in that call. He's recruited people. They're standing in it. They're ready to go. And as they're doing this, we know in chapter four comes an attack. Chapter six, it comes back where they're making fun of it. In chapter four, mocking it. Chapter six, they're actually attacking it. Uh, chapter four and six, they're attacking it and saying, hey, you, we're about to come to war. We're about to come after you. Matter of fact, if you read this chapter in its entirety, they're trying to trap Nehemiah. They're sending him letter after letter saying, hey, step away, come meet with us. If you don't, then they threaten him. We've heard this rumor that you're trying to become a king. We heard this rumor that you're setting up prophets to tell people that you're the next king of Judah. So come to us, come to us, come to us. And Nehemiah had wisdom of God saying, this is a trap. I want you to write this down. There's a lot of things calling your name every single week, my name every single week saying, come here. And it's not God's voice. And matter of fact, in this passage, some of Nehemiah's own advisors are coming to him and saying, you need to go. 
You need to do this. And, and Nehemiah says, and I want you to read this later. He says they were being paid. They were being, uh, they were loyal to Tobiah, who was the enemy. And I want you to understand this. Sometimes even family, sometimes even people under the name of Christ will come into your life and entice you away from what God has called you to. So I, I know we can look at that and we can say, hey, there's a threat of the enemy against us. But what about the mindset that the enemy's coming after? What about the, hey, think about this instead of that. Focus on this instead of that. Hey, do you remember you're worthless? Do you remember you made mistakes? Do you remember you, you're, you're, you're a product of your past? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You are what you've done. You are where you've been. All these things are just distractions of the enemy saying, get away from what you're supposed to be doing and get over here so we can keep you distracted. And so I, I, I want to warn you today that if you want to transform mind, the enemy is going to try to intimidate you. Try to act stronger than he is. Try to act stronger than you and try to discourage you from doing the work that you're calling to. Nehemiah's last verse needs to become the anthem. So I worked, I continue to work with what? Even greater determination. Now we're gonna come back to this verse and we're gonna look at it. Another verse we're gonna focus on in here, one of my favorites, if you'd flip down to verse number 15, it says, so on October the 2nd, the wall was finished. Look at this, just 52 days after we started. You can't even build a house in 52 days. But they fortified an entire city in 52 days. Can I tell you this right now? Transformation is not a lengthy process. Will you please write that down? A lot of times we try to say, it's gonna take years to recover. I wanna, I wanna just rebuke that in Jesus' name. It takes a belief in Christ to recover. It takes a belief in his word to change. It takes a follow-up to his word, an obedience to his word. You are one belief away from everything changing in your life today. You're one belief away from the mindset shift. You're one belief away from seeing God do something incredible. It's not just a belief of, I need God to come bail me out. It's a belief in God that's real enough to change the way you live. To say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some things different. So I'm gonna look at this and we're gonna break it down. And, 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 and I'm gonna give you just a few things that you need to write down in order for that transformation to be process, uh, possible in your life. Number one, write it down. There has to be a shifted focus. We hit that a little bit already. Let's go to Philippians 4. Let's start, if you would, Philippians 4. Can you back up to verse number four? But we're gonna focus on verse number eight, which is, should be familiar to you. But will y'all read these out loud with me? Because when we try to get you to worship, it sounded a little bit dead. So let's get, get a deep breath and let's just proclaim the word of God. All right, ready? Here he goes. Ready? Say it with me. Set, go. Always be joyful in the Lord. I say it again. Say it. All right. So when DJ's like, who's a dry bone in here? You know what a dry bone represents? It represents a story in the Bible where the prophet is standing and God's going to raise an army and the prophet's standing in a graveyard looking at all these dead bodies. All right, and so they're dead, and there's no flesh. I mean, the worms have done their worst. It is nothing but a skeleton laying there, and they got thrown down on these bodies, and the Bible said they came to life. They joined back together, and they rose up. You know what God was showing? That even if you feel dead today, God can revive you from where you are. If you feel like your marriage is dead, you feel like something's dead in your life financially, you feel like your, your credit score is non-repairable, you feel like you're in these debt waters and you can't get out, God says, if I can bring a skeleton and give it life, then I can bring you out of this, all right? So understand today that when DJ's standing up here and we're singing that song and he says, hey, who in here's dry bones? I don't know about you, but at some point in my life, I've had some very dry bone dead situations. Anybody say amen to that? But I've also seen God come in and give resurrection. All right, I've seen God give restoration, renewal, right? And that's what we're seeking today. And the Bible says, hey, you we need to always be full of joy. That doesn't mean we're always happy. That's why 1 Thessalonians and in 2 Thessalonians, we find this theme, but we do find this one verse where it says, in everything give thanks. And we talked about this just past Monday night. It does not say for everything, it says in everything. God would be a cruel God to require you to be happy for what's happening, but God wants you to be thankful in what's happening because your eyes are gonna shift to what's being done by God and what God has placed around you. So let's ask this question again. Not, I don't want you to answer the first part. We've already done that. How many of you are in struggle? But how many of you can say that even in struggle, you can look around your life and you can find some blessing. Anybody like that? That's where the joy comes from. The joy comes from the consistency of God, the presence of God, the power of God, even in adverse circumstances. Please write these words. They're powerful. God never changes. 
He's there, right? And so look at verse number five. Let's get through these. I'll, I'll probably, if, I, if I'm not careful, I'll preach this sermon and not the next one. All right, ready? Here we go. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. What's that mean? Somebody talk to me. I know we're on camera. Well, I'll, I'll reiterate. What's it mean? What's it mean to be, let everybody see that you're considerate in all you do. Somebody talk to me. Huh? Do it, okay, do it with thanks. What did you say? Somebody's, okay, like holding a door for somebody, kind of like opening it. All right, you know what this means? It means let people see that you actually care. Let them see, you know, hey, and what you're doing, do it thankfully, do it, do it with joy, but let them see that you actually care. I mean, our whole world would change if people actually cared about other people. I mean, we're lived in a world where every advertisement shows everything that we get is really driving us to care only about ourselves. And that is an anti-God mindset. That's an anti-Christ mindset. Care only about you. Take care of you. A God mindset says take care and look out for the needs of others too. You know, love your neighbor as yourself. So let everybody see that you're considerate in what you do, that you're not all about you. By the way, can I tell you this? If you're desiring a spotlight, the result of that spotlight is going to be revealed flaws. Everybody's going to see you, and sometimes I am not pretty. Anybody say amen to that about yourself, not me, all right? Yeah, I've got my own insecurity. Don't make it work. How many of you can say sometimes, you know, if you, if you knew how angry I could get, if you knew what I think, if you knew how mad I am, if you knew what was going on inside of me, you would not think the same of me. Anybody say amen to that sometimes? Yeah. Spotlight is going to reveal those things. People think that spotlight reveals perfection, but it actually reveals imperfection. And if you're making life all about you, what's going to happen is you're going to get a lot of critics. You're going you're, you're to get a lot of people analyzing and tearing you down. The more successful you become, the more targeted you become, right? One of the, the, for the longest time, one of the most successful restaurants in the world. Anybody want to take a shot at it? What was it? McDonald's. And guess what the number one criticized restaurant in the world was at the same time? McDonald's. Why? Because if you're at the top, everybody wants you. They want to get there, right? Now, I'm going to tell you this, and I want you to understand this. Even smack dab in the will of God, being obedient to God, and with the best integrity of your life, you can turn into Job in a moment. All right? And so even being at your peak of your spirituality makes you a target. Matter of fact, that's why you should pray for your small group leaders, your teachers, the people teaching their kids. They are targeted people. Because the more you lead, the more the enemy tries to take you out. If you're leading your home right now, your home is probably under attack. If you're trying to lead in your spirituality in your marriage, if you're trying to lead in spirituality in your community, you are going to be under attack. Matter of fact, I'm gonna say this. When life gets easy, you should actually do a spiritual evaluation. Because at some point, you gotta understand, what are you not doing? If you're comfortable, by the way, you're hindering your progress, but you're also coasting, and coasting goes downhill. You do not need to take lightly the fact that the enemy targets those who are pursuing God. God rewards those that are pursuing him, though, too. And the rewards of God trump the attack of the enemy every single time. And sometimes we gotta shift the focus, and we gotta realize that shifting our focus isn't just about what we think about, it's actually about what we're doing in the process. Remember that the Lord is coming soon. Isn't that a, a relieving thought? As I was reading articles yesterday about a communist party invading a board meeting in California, sent it to Garrett, saying, hey, and they were attacking the fact that Christians are fascists. It's literally in our own nation, on our soil. Told you it's coming, it's already here. They attacked it and they came in. They were like, hey, you know, and it was all about the schools have voted to give notification to parents if the child has made a gender choice that the school in that county, Orange County, is required to let the parent know what's going on. And these people invade and they say, hey, this is Christian fascism and we're gonna revolt. We're gonna cause a revolution and this is gonna fall apart. Hey, listen, all we gotta do when we see that is say, let's be who we're supposed to be in Christ and let's be thankful that Jesus is coming back. He's coming soon. You know, hey, if you're standing over the casket of a loved one today or you stand over the graveyard of a loved one today, Jesus is coming back. That's not the end. It feels like the end right now, but it's not permanent. This isn't permanent. You'll get eternity with them, right? Hey, this problem that you're going through, Paul would call it this light and temporary affliction. Now, these are not talking about death. This is talking about the things that you battle in life. Some of you got up today and arthritis screamed your name, right? Like got up today and, and you're reminded again that you're battling and going through chemo or doing different things and you got all these things that are struggling in life or you're, you're trying to make progress in your home or you're building your home or you're doing things that it feels like it's slow and coming. Listen to me, stay in it and keep the focus that Jesus is coming back. That all the things we do today are temporary. 
But the things that matter are the things that we do for the Lord. Sharing Jesus, sharing his love, being considerate in what we do. Isn't it amazing that in the same verse of caring for others is the reminder that Jesus is coming. Why? Because the most important thing we can do with our life is introduce somebody else to Jesus Christ. The most considerate thing we can do is let them know that there's a savior that loves them and cares about them just like they are. Look at this next verse, if you would, in verse number six, it goes on and it it says, don't worry about anything. How many of you mastered that? Anybody in here? Please write this down. And and listen, worry is a a huge part of the attack in my life, right? Um, Worry is the worship of Satan. It's the worship of what he's doing. It's an acknowledgement that what's around you may be stronger than the God that's in you. That's what worry is. Matter of fact, I, I, I once heard a pastor say that if you want to look at God worship, you see somebody with a heart that's open to the things of God. You want to witness Satan worship, it's somebody who worries about everything instead of praying about everything. And, 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 and that's what the shift is, right? It says, don't worry. Here's the, here's the transformation. Instead, do what? Pray. Now, how many of you are, are good at praying and worrying at the same time? I'm really good at that. I can be in the middle of my prayer asking God to do something and worrying about whether or not he's going to do it at the same time. The Bible says, hey, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And you know what? I think sometimes if we're not careful, we're teaching people to pray a religious prayer instead of an honest prayer. And I think at some point, you've got to stop caring about what you're saying and just say what you need to say. Matter of fact, that's the next statement. Tell God exactly what you need. All right, like here it is. Like I, I, I sometimes don't need to come to church and talk about the goodness of God. I need to come to church and a revelation of God. I can't see your goodness right now. And I know that's not you, that's me, but, but I need a change. I need something. I need a sign. I need you to show up. I don't need a sign to believe in you. I just need to know your presence is near. Anybody ever been there? You know, but sometimes we're like, and, I, and I, I give people a little bit of an opportunity sometimes to step out and stretch their faith. And I'll hand them a microphone and I'll say, lead us in prayer. And at that moment, you've got to make a decision. Are you going to pray thinking about what people are thinking about what you're saying? Are you going to pray because you believe the God you're stepping in front of is listening and will answer and, and be activated by what you're about to bring to his request? And so in that moment, it says, I can impress you or I can just forget about you and just go to him. And I think something happens in our lives when we forget about everything around us and believe in the one who is in us more than we believe in what the opinions of others are. So stop getting in a practice of life where we're sitting there and we're focusing on everything that's wrong. Stop pointing out everything that's wrong with your husband. Stop pointing out everything that's wrong with your wife. Stop complaining about everything going on with your kids and just instead go to God. Be considerate of your husband. Be considerate of your wife. Be considerate of your kids. Remember their eternity matters more than the moment. Pray, pray, pray for their hearts. Believe that God can invade their lives. They're powerless to your words, right? They, they can, they can cl- close them off. They're powerful. They can stand against them, but they're powerless to the prayers because the Holy Spirit invades the soul. So understand this in our lives. We got to get to this point where we're like, hey, God, this is what I need. But we also have to have a thank you for what you've done. Um, How many of you would understand this to be true in your home? I want you to close your eyes because I want you to answer honestly. Please close your eyes. Nobody look around because I'm going to ask a very personal question. So don't look at your husband. Don't look at your spouse. Get to where you're not touching just for a moment because this is a very real moment in your life. How many of you think that you would be better equipped in your home, more determined and a little bit more empowered if you felt like people appreciated what you did? Just slip your hand up in the air. I see a lot of teenagers with hands in the air. Moms and dads, did you hear that? A lot of teenagers, a lot of husbands, a lot of wives, a lot of things. How many of you would think that you would enjoy your job more if you were appreciated for what you did? Yeah, absolutely. All right, here, look, look at me. You know where you got this appreciation need from a God who gave you feelings? And the Bible says we're made in his image. And you know what God does require? God is a jealous God. You know what God wants? Gratitude. At some point in our lives, you will find this. And I heard a pastor say this one time, gratitude is the most healing attitude. If I have a thankful heart, I will be healthier than a worried heart, right? Matter of fact, write this down, 83 to 87% of diseases in our world would be totally cured if we solved our anxiety, worry, and stress issues. That is not put out by Christian organizations. That's put out by, by people that are in doctors and different things. There's multiple articles that back up that. And that's why I said 83 to 87, because there's a, ver- a variety of different opinion, but they all seem to land there. Think about this. You would be a much healthier person with gratitude as the leading attitude in your life. 
And so God, I'm coming to you because I'm greatly in need, but sometimes the shift of focus reminds myself that God has already been there in areas of your life. God has already done things in areas of your life. I mean, matter of fact, let's take a moment, even live on Facebook. I know there's a few hundred here, right? Like, I, I don't even know how many, but let's, let's do this for a second. You do not get a long time, all right? I, I'm going to give you a brief thing. Somebody shout out uh, something that God has given you, done for you, or provided. Give me a few words, just in a sentence at the most. Ready? Can anybody give a praise of what God has done in their lives today? Cured you from cancer. Somebody over here. Huge family and ever-expanding, right? All right, what else? Huh? This church. I'm going to amen that for my life. All right, somebody else. Shelter. Shouldn't have taken us all that long to get there, right? How many of you went to bed in the AC last night? Put a hand in the air. All right, yeah, yeah. Most of the world didn't, right? How many of you got in bed last night and thought about a snake or a bug? Okay, one. You might need to move, bro. All right? Like, I'm just kidding. All right? How many of you did not? Just got in bed and thought about going to sleep. Yeah. And what else? What else you got? Allowed your wife to recover from cancer surgery. And fairly quickly. Yeah. Anybody else? Huh? Restoration. Somebody said food. Let's get an amen on that one. All right. Somebody else? Huh? Talk loud. Got to scream it. Brought your girls back. Re oh, yeah. Renewal, reconciliation. All right. Come on. Somebody else. An unborn baby that was given the opportunity to be born. Is that you? Somebody close to you. All right. Awesome. Awesome. One of the reasons why we're trying to promote getting involved in LOC, helping those unborn babies find life because you never know what they can become and they're all part of God's plan, all right? So hopefully you're making September 30th available on your calendar to go make a walk. That's all you gotta do. Do us some good to walk anyway, right? All right, what else? What else can we be thankful for? Huh? Your children choosing God. Your little one's getting baptized today. Yeah, how awesome is that? Somebody else said something right here. I don't wanna miss it. All right, what'd you... The ability to keep going, to go on. Yes, what you got? Salvation and your wife. Amen to that. Yeah. Hope. Whew. Where would we be without hope? Can I tell you this right now? I want to give you something. Please grab this. You don't need a lot. But if you got a little, you can make it. Without it, you're hopeless. It's stuck. Now, I'm going to tell you this. In a church this size... And a matter of fact, if you're watching online today, maybe you throw that in the chat, something you're thankful for. The thing is, is in a church this size, we should be able to stop the service and continue the rest of the day with praises that come from God's people on the things that he has done for us. You know, the things that God subconsciously allows our bodies to do, like take the next breath, take the next movement, the things you don't even think about that God's working in your life, we have a lot to be thankful for. And if, if in your moment of need, you went to gratitude, I promise you, your knees would get a little bit strengthened, your legs get a little bit stronger, you'd be able to stand up and go a little bit further. All right, and so here it is. Keep going, if you would, Philippians 4, 7. And, and, and you, you've got this don't worry, instead pray, tell God what you need, be thankful. Then, then, here's the result. All right, so what's the result? You experience peace and not just peace. His peace that passes understanding. How many of you have ever freaked out over something so small and meaningless? Anybody like that? You know, Jordan loves to use this statement. Pick your, what's that normally mean? It means that what you're upset about is not really a big deal right now. It's not life-changing, it's not the end of the world, but how many of us would lose our week or our minds in a day over something small that somebody has said or done? All right, pick your battle. You know what God says? How many of you have ever gone and freaked out over something small, but how many of you have ever been in a moment that life was falling apart, but somehow you just had a peace? You know what, that, that's a peace that passes understanding. That's when you start getting the questions of why are you smiling right now? Like we know what's going on in your life and look at you. You know, I've been texting one of the guys in our church, Daniel, who has cancer, and, and I've been asking him how he's doing and trying to keep up with him. And, 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 
every time he responds, there's a little bit of positivity in it. I'm doing way better than I should be. God's good, little brother. I love you, and I can't wait to see you. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I'm whining over the fact that I, you know, I didn't get the deal that I wanted. Here's a guy battling for his life, still with praise in his lungs. There's a peace that passes understanding when the focus is on God. And understand this, that if your focus is on the past, what do they say you have? Depression. If your focus is on the future, what do they say you get? Anxiety. If your focus is where you are and who God is where you are, then the result is peace. And at some point of our lives, we got to understand that we live very distorted lives and very messed up lives or hindered lives because our minds are always everywhere else but where we are. All right? Be in the moment. Grab what God has for you right here. I love how Nehemiah said this. He said, I knew that they were trying to intimidate us, so I determined that I was going to work even harder. In other words, I'm going to stay where I'm at. You know what? Sometimes we're building a wall of our life, and we get so discouraged because it's taken longer than we thought, it's harder than we thought, it's hotter than we thought, and then we're looking over, and somebody else has already got their sections finished, and we want to quit our job to go work for them. We want to quit our life to go be with them. Come on now. And at some point of our life, we got to realize that the only way they finished is they actually built a wall because they didn't stop. They had the moment they wanted to, but they kept going. You can have what somebody else has. You can have what somebody else has achieved. You can have the marriage you want to have. You can have the faith that you want to have. But the way to get there is to determine in Galatians 6 verse 9 that in due season you will reap if you do not quit. And the way you keep from quitting is to keep your mind on Jesus right where you are. Right where you are. Thanking him for what you have. Trusting him with what you don't have. And then here it is, verse number eight. It says this, and now, dear brothers and sisters, what? One final thing. Please underline this in your Bible. Fix your thoughts. You know what the Bible says is to bring every thought captive to obedience. It doesn't just mean, okay, I'm going to stop thinking about this. It means I'm going to bring this thought in, and I'm going I'm to obey God right now with the way that God's told me to live. You know, by the way, if you're always fighting in the past in your marriage, you're not good at this. You know what it is? It's like, hey, there's something that needs to be dealt with in the moment. You're not getting your way in the moment, so you either go to the past or the future, and you use that as your weapon. Stop that. That is very destructive in your relationship. The best thing to do is argue the moment. Live the moment. The past is what? It can't be changed. The future is what? unknown and it can't be promised but what you have is right here right now so love in the moment do in the moment but the only way to do that is fix your thoughts and what's the bible say fix them on it gives this this list of things that you're supposed to think about what is true all right can i tell you this in, in chapter number six, they start a rumor about Nehemiah that he's trying to become king. And, and here's what Tobiah says. You better be sure that the king is going to find out about this. You know what he's saying? We're going we're gonna to come after you, but not just us. We're going to go get Artaxerxes and his big dudes, and they're going to come wear you out. You know what he's saying? Hey, here's a rumor. Here's a rumor. Here's a rumor. And I heard this rumor from this person and this person. I'm telling you right now, rumors will drive you nuts, will it not? How many of you have ever had a rumor about you? How many of you liked it and enjoyed it? No. But the, here's the question you need to ask yourself when those things are flying about. What's true? It doesn't matter what everybody else believes is true. What is true is what matters. And only you sometimes know what's true in your heart. So you live in the truth. Don't live in the rumor. Don't live in the impression of everybody else. Live what's true right here. And you can have peace in the midst of attack around you. You can have determination and tenacity. You can finish the course right where you are. Paul was one of the most abused Christians that lived in the, the start of God's church. And Paul said at the end of his life, I fought the fight. It wasn't, hey, I fluffed the pillows. He said, man, I fought the fight. I kept the faith. That's hard to do sometimes. But if you fight and you keep faith, you finish. All right, so let's look at this. He says, hey, fix it on what's true, what's honorable, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. Think about things that are Excellent and worthy of praise. You got to shift your focus if you're going to transform. 
Matter of fact, if you, if you want to go to a point number two and build on that, we go to the Romans 12, right? Where it says we got to have a shifted mindset. In order for me to have a shifted focus, my mind has to change in the way it processes. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, you find where the Bible's calling us out to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service. It means that I'm going to, by the way, and write this down, the, the way that you live for Christ is to die before death. All right, can I say that? In other words, I die to myself before I literally die in this world. And from the moment I die to myself to the moment I die in this world, that is my best life. But if I never die to myself, then life is not going to be reaching its fulfillment or the climax of potential that God has planned for you. How many of you understand this today? All right, you got to die to yourself. How many, how many of you understand the verse that Paul says, I got to die to myself daily? Anybody know that to be true about you and about me? Yeah. But you know, how many of you got to die to yourself by the minute? Anybody ever had to do that? Yeah. So dying to yourself doesn't mean I got up today, I hit my knees, I prayed, I read a devotional, and now I've done everything I need to do for God. Dying to myself means that I, I, I die to myself when I want to cut somebody else off in the line at Starbucks, or I, I, I die to myself when I, I, I want to get mad at my boss and tell him what I think or tell her what I think. I die to myself when I just want to quit or no-show. I die to myself when I wake up and I got a headache that I wouldn't miss a sport game for, but I'm thinking about calling into work and missing church. As a matter of fact, let's use that. If you wouldn't cancel your concert tickets over the headache, you shouldn't call into work and you shouldn't skip church. That's a good gauge, right? You know, it's like I stubbed my toe and I just can't do it today. Die to yourself. Hobble in there and get your job done. Right? Because when we call out needlessly, what do we do to the people around us? We hurt them. We put them in bad positions. I hear a lot, and I talk to business owners a lot, and, and, and one of my clients is a, a guy that owns multiple gas stations, and, and, and I was like, are those good investments? And he's like, no, don't do it. And I was like, why? He said, because you don't have a life. He said, there's always an employee calling in, and you're always having to show up. You're always having to do this. He said, get passive income, which means rental, different things. He said, do not get into retail. Where's my retail manager? Say amen to that, right? All right, Chelsea, how many times have you had to go to work because somebody didn't show up? More than you can count, right? Is that what you just said? Yeah, here's the thing. You hurt everybody. And what if the family of your boss is struggling right now, and this is the only day husband and wife get together for months, and you decided to be lazy and called in? You're not just hurting you. You're not just hurting them. You're hurting their family. You're, you're, you're hurting their potential. You know, you know how many times somebody will show up to church, and they'll be like, hey, we're so-and-so. Oh, they didn't come today. Oh, well, they've been inviting me for months. I was hoping they'd be here. You know what you just did? Yeah, you, you hurt everybody. Now, is there real sickness? Say yes. All right, can I give you this? If you got COVID, stay home. Amen to that. If, you, if, you're, if you're running a fever, there is not a medal in heaven for super Christians that show up and contaminate everybody else. There's not some great reward. You need to understand that. You got it? But just because you woke up and you forgot it was your chance, to, your turn to teach the children, but now you're going to play hooky and sick because you, you just weren't prepared, that is wrong. You got it? You want to say amen to that one? All right. It, it, it needs to be. I'm pointing at our children's lead. Sorry. It needs to be that we realize that what we do affects others. A change of mindset says, I, I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to die to myself and become a living sacrifice. I was hoping that Romans 12 would be on the screen. So understand this, that while we were looking at, hey, I, I want to be Come this, the Bible says that in verse number two, that, 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 which by the way, back up to verse number one, let's not forget this last sentence. Your hand in the air is not to worship him. The things you do are the way you worship him, right? So some people are like, I love the Lord and I'm this and I'm that and the other. That's great. I've seen people all the time live in, in church as if they're the most spiritual person and live like hell outside when they get out there and they think that because they came in and raised their hand, they're right with God. Your worship comes through what you do with your life. Does that make sense? All right, God knows your worship, by the way. Yeah, all right, so understand that. Go to verse number two. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world, but instead let God transform you into a new person. Say it with me. I use this all the time. By what? Yeah, changing the way you think. That's a perception shift. A perception shift. I, believe it or not, you know what the news tries to do? Set perception. This is what everybody thinks. 
So they'll attack this or they'll attack that. They'll go after the police. They'll go after this group. They'll put it out there to set a perception. And then all of a sudden, people in their mind, uh, matter of fact, you hear this, and this is a very dangerous, like, like lyric or very dangerous ideology to when we say people that are Democrat or people that are Republican are this. That's a perception. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get anybody who's opposite of that to have a mindset of who those are. And that's why in the election that the prior, uh, previous two elections ago, you saw this more where 2016 people were saying, if you're gonna vote for so-and-so, unfriend me, unfollow me. You know why? A perception was set. That if you like that person, we can't be friends. Are you kidding me? That'd be like me coming in here and saying, if you're a Tennessee fan, get out. Especially today, right? Now you would say, that's crazy, right? How many of you would be like, oh, really, you're gonna base your life and who you hang out with, with what team they cheer for? Exactly, but a perception will say, all Tennessee fans are this. Hey, listen to me. Satan's constantly trying to put perception in your mind. Matter of fact, he started with Eve. Did God really say that you're gonna die? No, here's the perception. You're gonna be like him knowing the difference between right and wrong. Let me shift this to, to where you'll actually be able to palate this. In other words, this will taste good to you. This will sound right. There's a way that seems right, but the end's destruction. Satan doesn't come at you and say, hey, I want you to act on this and it's gonna wreck your marriage. Let's go. Hey, I want you to do this and it's gonna destroy you. You're gonna have to go to rehab and recovery and detox. You're gonna lose 10 years of your life. Let's do it. No, he comes in and he says, oh, this is gonna make you, this is gonna make those problems go away. This is gonna feel good. Nobody will ever find out about this. You'll make this. How many of you have had those thoughts in your life? Like, hey, you know what? I just don't wanna feel the way I feel anymore. So let's pop the top. Let's do what we gotta do. That's a perception. So understand this. The Bible's saying, hey, that, that God wants to come in and change the way you think, meaning your perception needs to shift. You need to see the world different. That's why Paul said that we should armor up and then look at the world, not as if we're going to war with each other, but we're going to war with the enemy that's trying to destroy flesh and blood. That we don't wrestle against people. If your enemy has a name other than Satan or demons, then your perception is off. Because no matter how hateful and mean a person is, they are not the reason that they are the way they are. They have chose things, they made decisions based on the temptations of their life, built desires and lusts that had drawn them away. But if Satan wasn't in their ear and Satan didn't have control of their mind, then who would they be today? And if we could just see Jesus in people, we would give up on nobody. Because we believe that everybody in Christ could be totally different. I literally stood in the parking lot with somebody who has not been back since. And I said to them, all you wanna do is talk about this person and it's messing with me. You're bounding me by confidentiality. You wanna talk about them, but not to them. And Matthew 18 says we are to go to a brother. We're to go to a sister and we're to make this right. Well, I just don't think, I don't care what you think. We need to understand that if what you're saying is true, then our brother slash sister, whoever it is, is hurting and it should be our desire to rescue them in Jesus' name, not our desire to judge what they should be. And at some point, we gotta go to them as hard as it is, look them in the eye, say, I love you enough to say, this has gotta change because Satan's after you, bro. Satan's after you, sister. And I'm not letting you go without a fight. And if Jesus would leave 99 to go get the one, let's go beyond it. If he would leave the throne to become a man, then let's leave gossip to become rescuers and peacemakers in Jesus' name. Let's go rescue the perishing, care for the dying. We used to sing that hymn. How many of you remember it? Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Why? Jesus is calling. At what point did we forget that the enemy is not what you see? The enemy is what Satan and his demons have been doing to that family for generations. And at this point in time, you're an Esther called into the kingdom for such a time as this. You say, well, this family's always been this way. The Moors have a history of alcoholism. The Moors have a history of wife abusers. My side of the Moors. But no longer. 
You got to understand this. No longer is that the case. Because I'm not handing that to my wife and I'm not handing that to my kids. Did I deal with alcoholism in my own life? Yes. But will my kids inherit alcoholism from their dad? No, because that has been defeated in Jesus name. Understand this. Listen, do they see me hit their mom? Now, do they see us argue? Yes. And at that, we need to minimize. At that, we need to understand that they hear the language. They hear the things that we're saying. They hear the attacks and they need to see a disagreement that gets to resolution. Not just disagreement that ends up dad getting in the car or mom running away. Thank God we don't do that. But that's, that's the reality of a lot of things. Kids need to see start to finish. You say, well, we don't ever want them to see problems. They're going to have issues from that. Does that make sense? But the reality is that we can break the generational curse. I say that to say this. What if you have become the ambassador of heaven to invade the generational curse of the last hundred to a thousand years of this family? And now you're face to face with dad. You're face to face with the mom that God has called you to be in his kingdom for such a time as this. Because the words you're about to speak and the things that you're about to say and the things that you're about to do are not just about to free the person in front of you, but are about to free the children so that the sins of the father don't pass down. The sins of the mothers don't carry on. And from this moment forward, you put a flag of Jesus in their life. It's like us landing on a moon, sending an American flag in the soil, like Christ coming in the heart and the Holy Spirit invading. And a generational curse that may have been going on for millenniums is stopped because instead of you standing there saying, what a jerk, you stand there and say, what an opportunity for God to use me to rescue this dude, to rescue this woman. And as a result, do what he wants to do in the generation to come. I had that in my life. I'm not going to go into the story. I've had a willy stand in my way. I've had people love me when they shouldn't. Matter of fact, Saturday, I sent out two text messages to two different men that God brought to my mind as I was doing my devotional time with him. As I was driving to a, an auction, I, I literally couldn't escape the fact that the thought just kept going through my mind. I don't know where I'd be in life without him. Now, there's multiple people like that. Please don't sit in the room and say, why didn't I get the text? At that moment, God highlighted in my life too. And in that moment, I felt like I needed to let them know that I am so thankful that they didn't see me as an enemy, but they saw the enemy that was coming after me. Now, how many of you have had somebody do that for you in life? Slip your hand up. You know what they had? They had a different perception. They didn't think like the world thinks. They thought like Jesus. You want to transform? You got to have a shifted mindset. The focus changes the mindset. The mindset changes the behavior. So when I'm focused on God, my mind starts shifting towards him and my behaviors follow. You know, the Bible says, you know a tree by its what? Fruits. A good fruit produces good fruit. A good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, what? Bad fruit. Bad tree can't produce good fruit. I told our teenagers this, so I want to get, to get it to you too, that you got to understand though that bad people are capable of doing a good thing. Agree or disagree? So you can't just take one good behavior and believe that that's the person. You got to actually let it grow and that takes time. Can a good person actually do a bad thing? Yes. Does that make them a bad tree? No. Sometimes a tree needs pruning. Matter of fact, yesterday, um, uh, Lincoln had gotten out and ran away, and it was a stressful day at home. So I called Jordan, and I said, like, hey, let's just, let's just get out of the house. Like, get in the car. We'll just get out of the house. I'm coming home. I grabbed her. We just got out of the house. While we were backing out, beside our, 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 our mailboxes used to be these very, very tall, unhealthy rose bushes. They had weeds growing up in them. And, and this year I had somebody come in and they literally cut them down to where they were like this tall. They were the ugliest little sticks sticking out of the ground I've ever seen. You know, and that just happened like a couple months ago. And I, I was pulling out one day after they had done it. And I was like, oh, it looks nice because there's not a lot of weeds, but that looks terrible. Maybe we killed it. And yesterday as I was backing out, there were tons of roses coming out of this little stick in just a couple months. And what used to be hideous because of all the weeds and its overgrowth and it's hanging out nasty, once pruned, was given a chance to bloom again. I'm going to tell you this right now. In your life, you might not be what you want to be, but God wants to come into your life and do a pruning. And once he does that pruning, then you'll bloom in areas you never thought you'd bloom again. And you'll become what you never thought you could be again. You'll, you'll be beautiful again. 
I literally looked at my wife and I thought, would you ever have thought that that would have grown back like that? And I'm telling you right now, isn't it an amazing thing when you see somebody that Satan had his fangs in, now serving God and healthy, when you see somebody that you thought would never make it, now standing on their own two feet, worshiping God, a marriage that was over, now back together, shouldn't we be able to say, hey, we never thought it'd bloom like that again, but that's what our God can do. That's a perception shift. If I'm gonna transform, hey, I gotta shift the focus so that the mind shifts. Uh, shifts. I, I wrote down this list. Maybe you write it down real quick and then we'll move. We're almost done. From victim to victor, right? You are not a victim. You say, yes, I am. That's gonna cause problems. You might be a victim of an incident. I'm not taking away from what's happening to you. But if you're walking around feeling like a victim, you will never see victory in your life. At some point, you've got to say, this was bad and it shouldn't have happened. But this is not my forever. Yeah, what about a shift from conquered to conquering? Hey, I, I, how many of you have ever been, maybe this one, a slave to something? A mindset, an addiction, an affliction. How many of you have ever had that dominate your life? Slip your hand up in the air. But how many of you now have tasted the freedom of God and that is no longer what's in control? Yeah, there needs to be a shift. But at some point, I, I, I always use this story when I get to this, when I'm talking to a group of addicts, right? Which um, we, we have come to the conclusion about 60 plus percent of our church has battled addiction in addiction or been delivered from addiction. And we love that. All right. And so you're like, oh my goodness, I'm visiting a place full of addicts. Hey, one more is not a problem. All right. Like we got room. We got room. All right, so I'm just sorry. That was bad. All right, here it is. Listen, um, I remember sitting up in a room when we first started our church and we were going around in like a, it was at that point, like kind of like an AA setting. And, and then you introduce yourself. Hey, my name is Josh. I'm an alcoholic, you know, and I remember this guy by the name of Billy Haynes. It really shifted our church. Um, we were going around the room. <laughs> Three or four people had said that there was only six of us in the room. And all of a sudden, this old man, and he's an old man, um, and he, he just takes both hands and he slams the table. He was like, I'm sick of this. It's like, why? He's like, my name's Billy Haynes, and I've been delivered. I'm not claiming what I used to be and what Satan had made me. This is who I am. And he said, I had that, but that's not what I have now. And I'm tired of hearing everybody in here identifying with what Satan had done. Let's identify with Jesus. Boom. And it's like, okay. Hey, you might have come in here a sinner. Yes. You might have come in here dirty. Yes. But there's a transition in mind that can change you to where you walk out of here saying, I once was dirty, but now I'm clean. A slave, but free. Victim, but victor. Conquered, now conquering. Hey, I've got a God in me that doesn't lose. And if he invades my heart, then I am not a loser today. I am his and he is mine. There's a shift. There's a shift. All right, let's move on. After I get the shifted mindset, the shifted focus, verse number six teaches us this. Look at, uh, uh, let's go back, chapter four, verse six, ready? I'm gonna give you this one. Nehemiah, he, there has to be a willingness to work. He says this in, in, in uh, chapter number four. Flip back over there if you don't mind. Check it out. I'm gonna try to beat the screen. Ready, here we go. In chapter four, he says this. At last, the wall was complete to half its height around the entire city. For the people had worked with enthusiasm. I like what the King James says here. Because the people had a mindset to work. Now I'm going to tell you this right now. You can shift the focus all day long and you can try to change the mindset. But the work is proof of the mind. And at some point, if you want transformation, you got to go to work. Now, I'm not sitting here, and yes, this is true. You need to do your 8 to 5, your 9 to 11, your, your night shift, third shift, second shift, whatever it is. I'm, yes, that's true. Bible tells us to warn those that are not doing those things, that have capabilities to do it. We should warn them. To the disabled and those that can't do it, we should take care of. All right, you got that? You with me? That's part of a calling. But in our lives, a lot of times, and I see this even in my own life, I want things to happen in my life that I don't want to put the effort into to happen. You know, um, as a matter of fact, I think Emily was talking on, on, on our praise team about somebody that she knows that spends a lot of time looking at houses on Zillow. And I said, they need to go get their real estate license. If in your free time, you're not looking to buy, but all you like to do is look at houses, 
then go show homes and make money doing it. Boom. Instead of sitting there just looking at this, oh, nice house, nice house, nice house, open the door and take somebody, Felicia, talk to me, am I right? Take somebody else in and you get to see the house. You get to enjoy the house. But you, some of you are like, I hate that. Don't, be a, don't do that. But if you're the person that's like, you know what? I, I absolutely love like building things. Then, then I'm gonna tell you this right now. And I know this is true. Every carpenter I know is looking for help. Everyone, every contractor I know is begging for help. You know why? Because people ain't showing up to work. And you're like, I just love to be, you know, I, I like my hands dirty. I like to be under the hood of a car. If, if your hobby is tinkering on cars, then maybe it's time for a career change. And you're like, well, no, I can't do this. And no, you know why? There's got to be a willingness and an enthusiasm to say, this is what I enjoy. And I'll tell you this now, if you enjoy what you do, you'll be amazed at how fast you progress in it. You'll be amazed at how many promotions. You'll be amazed at how far you go. I know in church, we're supposed to sit here and talk about just your dedication to God, dedication to God, and Pharisees will come out screaming at what I'm about to say. But God did not create you to be miserable in what you do. God created you to be happy in what you do. Now, I'm not saying we have this revolution of everybody going in Monday and quitting their job. That's dumb. There's a, there's a four-letter, five-letter word that exists in your life, bill or bills. How many of you have them? Say Amen. All right, so guess what you have to have to be able to pay your bills? A job. You got to have money. All right, you got to go to work. So, but what I'm saying is this. You're never too old to figure out what you could do with your life that you actually enjoy doing. And it's not you absent God to say, God, I know this is not what you have for me. I know that you have something better for me. I know that you have something that better suits me. So God, while I'm patiently enduring here, give me the willingness to have a transformation to where I will go explore other areas to see if there's another opportunity out there. All right, the best thing we can do for our kids is, and I asked them this question. Matter of fact, at one point, the kids, one of them looked at me and said, why are you always asking us what do we want to do with our lives? Because I don't want you to wait to 18 to try to ask that question. I don't want you to be 21 and somebody looking at you saying, get out, right? I, I, I want you thinking about it right now, you know, because you can, your greatest ministry sometimes can be at your J-O-B. The, the greatest influence you can have. But if you are miserable at your job, then are you going to be a good influence for the Lord? No. They worked with enthusiasm and 52 days built a wall. In 52 days, got it done. You know, like, I have a coach in my life that told me this. The things you enjoy doing, go excel at. And the things you hate doing, hire somebody. And they're like, and you're not going to like that, and that's going to hurt. But you're going to find yourself more profitable by being involved in the things you enjoy doing rather than being bogged down by the things you don't. Now, we're not saying laundry piles up and dishes piles up and all that other stuff because I don't know anybody in here that loves doing that. And if you do, then start a cleaning company, right? And there are people that would love for you to come scrub their baseboards and you're whistling while you work and they're whistling while they don't have to do it, right? <laughs> the thing is this, we live in a world today that says you gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be, but what are you becoming? The thing is, is sometimes we're so caught up in what we are that we're not becoming something beyond where we are. You know, like, hey, you want to be a lawyer? Go to school. And endure. But I'm going to tell you this right now. You do not get a law degree without working. You don't become a dentist without working. You don't become this. Can I tell you this right now? You do not go anywhere in life without putting work in. And you can say all day long, I'm going to shift my focus because, God, I believe you got better. I'm going to shift my mindset and start thinking about the great things you have. But if you are a potato chips and a six-pack person, you're not going much further. The Bible says this in Proverbs, the poor want and never have. All right? the, the lazy, sorry, want and never have. Why? They're lazy. Get rich quick schemes. What's the Proverbs say? Do not work. Y'all remember these? 
I mean, some of you are going to be too young for this. How many of you remember international calling cards? Yes. Does anybody else ever get propositioned to join a sales team selling international calling cards? How many of you ever got a, got a knock on the door for that? I remember when I first became a pastor, one of the people in the church said, I need you to go to lunch with me. I'm going to give you a proposition that's going to change your life. And I went and sat down and they tried to sell me show shy chocolate. They're like, this is revolutionary. It's healing diabetes and it's healing cancer. Everybody we know that's taking this, you should hear this. You should hear this. You should hear this. And we sat there for an hour and a half while they gave me a pitch on so shy chocolates. And, 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 and they like, taste it. It's amazing. I tasted it in the middle of a Cracker Barrel and almost threw up. It was awful. And then you start looking at all these. I used to have this, and I used to have this, and I used to have this. It's kind of like the hydroxy cut at, at Walmart that says if you take this pill, you're going to lose weight. And then you read the back of the bottle, and it says you need to drink a gallon of water a day, and you need to start exercising twice a day for an hour. <laughs> Are you with me? And you know what everybody does? They, they're killing immune systems. I mean, right now we're in a world, and I'm going to meddle here, where people that don't have diabetes are taking a diabetic shot just to lose weight. And we're saying, we want this quick, we want this quick, we want this quick. We don't even know what it's going to do to your, your liver. And right now, matter of fact, Ozempic's coming out with a study saying that it's causing diabetes. That. <laughs> to where you can no longer enjoy corn. That is a terrible world. And I understand this, and we're like, hey, all these things are happening. You know what we want in our minds? We want the result without the effort in between. We want the faith. We want God to heal the sick in our church. But we don't want to live for God Monday through Saturday. Does that make sense? We want God to enlarge in our investments. We want God to build our bank accounts, but that offering plate passes, and it's as if it's leprosy. Don't touch it. We're going to catch something. Am I right? And now it went, there was like, it went from, yeah, to, mm. I once heard a pastor say this. It's not me. I actually, Johnny Hunt said this at one point. He said, I see you at your concerts with the hand in the air. But somehow when the offering plate goes, it can't make it to the back pocket. And I realize that the God you serve is not what you're raising your hand for. It's what you sit on. It's what's in that wallet. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. Can you believe he said that? No, oh, man, I can't believe he said that. Retweet. All right, here we go. Like, here it is. Listen, we always get to this, and, and it's like, I can do it too. I want to lose weight, but I don't want to get on a treadmill. I don't want to give up an Oreo. And they have pumpkin spice donuts and Krispy Kreme. One of our church members literally sent me a picture of a sign this week that had half, two halves of a sign. One half said Krispy Kreme, the other half said Chick-fil-A. And they literally had a caption to the effect of, this has to be heaven on earth. You know? Then Krispy Kreme, I'm sorry, Chick-fil-A comes out with a new sandwich with pimento cheese and jalapenos on it. And now it's like, I'm addicted again. You know, I get on my knees every day, God help me lose weight. Then I get in the car and I go to Chick-fil-A, stop by Krispy Kreme, grab a Starbucks, and I'm good to go. <laughs> then I get on the scale every night as if some miracle's about to happen. Right? Come on now. And I know I'm using this. Listen, sometimes we need to use realistic things to get a, a biblical truth. And here's the biblical truth. Sometimes we're like, oh, God doesn't even exist. And we live as if he's not there. We never get in his word. We never let his word get in this. And this is what I told our teens. Hey, get into the word of God, then let the word of God get in you. All right? Once that happens, transformation takes place. And so understand, we're like, I want a faith like Daniel. I want a faith like Moses. I want a faith like Abraham. I want a faith like this. But, but, but I'm so tired of my pastor preaching on giving and reading the word of God and praying. I'm so, I don't, you know, it's like we go to the same thing and we hear the same thing and we do this. Now, I've never heard that from y'all. Thank God, don't say it to me now, all right? But, but the reality is this, is we preach it, we preach it, we preach it, we teach it, we teach it, we teach it. And even I, as a pastor, have to remind myself, oh my goodness, you didn't get in your word today. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that's the first thought or the afterthought of the day, but rarely the in-between. Anybody else like that? And if I would just get into the moment where my praise was all the time, my joy was all the time, my countenance would change, my relationships would be better. And so the thing is this, if you got a shifted focus, a shifted mindset, you got to have a willingness to work. A willingness to say, God, I'm going to do what it takes. 
You can go home today. Do this. Try it. Look at your wife and say, I'm going to be a better husband. She's going to look at you like, yeah, right. She's probably heard that before. Or vice versa. Children, we're going to change the way we do our home. Yeah, right. How long is this going to last? There's got to be an effort behind it. There's got to be a willingness to get up and go. Right? Um, so that's followed by this. We see this in Nehemiah chapter number six, verse number nine. After we get that willingness to work, we got a, an unwavering boldness, a determination. In other words, we could say it this way, a refusal to be intimidated. I, I'm going to make a statement here. I'm going to go ahead and make it on Facebook Live, and I thought about holding on to this, but there's rumors swirling. Mask mandates are coming back, and church shutdowns might happen again. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this right up here right now. We're going to go to jail before we close this place. And, and it's not going to happen. Because the last time that happened, 33% of the church in America disappeared. Gone. It'll be even worse this time. Now, I, I, hey, listen. How many of you found it a little bit easy to, to listen to church while you're doing your laundry? I didn't do the laundry. My wife's watching. I better be careful. But I mean, how many of you found it a little bit easier? You, all you had to do is get out of bed. You didn't even have to brush your teeth. Just go sit on the couch with some yo-yos and those even exist anymore. Ho-hos and yo-yos. And just watch church. It was easy. And I think Satan was on the violin just playing that song while the church was getting tired and sleepy and lazy. And now you almost have to beg and bribe people to get back in. Not again. Not again. You say, oh my goodness, that's, that's anti-government. That's anti yeah, I'd rather be anti that than anti-Christ. And at some point in our lives, we're gonna say that even if they try to intimidate, now we're gonna be in love. You're not gonna see us walking around with big protest shirts and signs up in the air. That's not gonna happen. What we're gonna do is we're just gonna meet. And you, you say, well, I don't feel comfortable with that. I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying, as for me and my house, we've made a choice. And if you want to come with us, come with us. That's fine. And if you want to join online, great. That, we're, not going to, we're not going to judge that. We're just simply saying, hey, look, we've got to understand that when the world gets worse and worse and the end gets near, that the spirit of Antichrist is going to grow and the anti-church, anti-mindset is going to grow and the getting together is not going to be as easy. But hey, let them try to intimidate us. They can't take heaven from us. Let them try to intimidate us. They can't touch my salvation. It's not theirs. They can't take my faith. And so, yes, I got to focus on Christ and a mindset to work. We're ready to go. We're ready to do this. But we're not going to let the threat of what the enemy may do keep us from caring and loving for people around us. Right now, I am in a spiritual mental war over whether or not God's calling us to a very risky step. And I'm not going to announce it from the pulpit because I haven't even taken it to our elders yet. But I've been losing my, 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 my peace a little bit in, in the fact that I don't believe God can let us sit still on something any longer, that something needs to be enacted. Matter of fact, it's been on my mind so much that first thing I did when DJ walked through the door today, I said, I need to talk to you. I need to ask you something. You know why? Because it's like, hey, listen, it's only going to get worse out there. But it's still going to be King of Kings, Lord of Lords in here. The threats may come, the, the mocking may come, the rumors may come, but be determined. And here's the last point. We're going to finish strong. We're going to complete the task. Your will in heaven right here on earth. You began the work, we're going to finish it. You called us, we're going to walk in it. We stood a vow and made a vow before a pastor, we're going to complete it. We gave birth to those children. We're going to raise them. And not only raise them, but we're going to point them towards you. And when they go through their seasons of terrible twos or, or mood swings this or 13 body changes and transitions and all those things happen, we're going to stay firm on our faith. 
But church, let us be determined to care for brokenness and wickedness and care for people that are hurting just like we care for those that are healed. Anybody can love somebody who loves them back, the Bible says, but it's real love when we can love the person that might not even love themselves. At some point, we've got to say, what God has started, we will let him finish. We'll complete the task. Fought the fight. Kept the faith. Finished the course. If we're going to transform, don't start the project. Finish it. I'm praying that a year from now, you look back and say, wow, what a difference a year can make. Libby one time stood in that backfield in a church with no wall moment and said, I look at the person I used to be and don't even recognize who that is. I'm telling you right now that God does not have a quit in his vocabulary or an impossible in his vocabulary when it comes to you and it comes to me. Don't let one get into yours. A transformed mind says, I shift my focus. I shift my mind. I have a willingness to work. I have a bold determination to lastly finish. Finish. Bow your heads and close your eyes and maybe this is a simple prayer you pray today. God, help me finish the course. I don't know what the course is right now. You know what I did see? Is when we were talking about careers, there was some of you that your face was just hit with that. My prayer immediately for you, those of you that God pointed out to me, is gonna be that you find that path that God has called you to. That in a year from now, six months from now, three months from now, or however long it takes, or however little it takes, that we celebrate the victory in your life that God has brought in that area. How many of you today say there's changes I want to make? Would you slip your hand up? Changes I want to make in my life. Known changes that are there. How many of you with the same hand in the air will say, God, with your help, I will finish. I will let you finish the work you've done in me. By the way, if you've never given your heart to Christ, you got to start the work. And the way your faith starts is when you die to yourself and Christ becomes King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and you give your heart. And we want to invite you, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if today you have never accepted Christ as your Savior, then right there in your seat, will you accept the gift of his salvation? If you believe he died for you and he rose again, accept his gift. Talk to God. I need your salvation. Tell him what you need. Accept that gift and proclaim him Lord. We'll give an opportunity for that in just a second. How many of you are here today and maybe in this service you say, hey, I have received Jesus Christ as my savior and I would like to follow in that step of baptism. Is there anybody here today want to join this one? And I'm hoping they're getting her ready. But want to join this one? We'll take you and we'll help you. All right, then, then in a moment, we're gonna have just a second where everybody comes that wants to get baptized and meets to the left of this stage. I'd love to have you come. We're probably not gonna bring over everybody today, right? Are we doing that or what do you wanna do? No, all right. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna have Casey come play a song. Maybe, maybe we just sing that real quick. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Here it is, my God, that is who you are. Will you join me in singing that today? And if today is the day that you're accepting Christ and you wanted to proclaim him as Lord, is there anybody here today that slip a hand in the air with eyes open and looking around saying, today's the day I'm giving my heart to Jesus Christ. Is there anybody? I don't want to miss that moment. All right, we're going to look. All right, if none, let's stand. Everybody stand, open your eyes. We'll say goodbye to online.